This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And for faithful listeners, you know and, and have heard Taylor say over and over and over again, I'm terrible with coming up with, with titles. <laughs> and so before we started recording this, I said, what are we going to talk about? And she says, I came up with this brilliant title but I can't remember the end of it. And it is character description as, and it was brilliant, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe it'll come to me. So I'm hoping yeah, that maybe. it comes to you as we're, <laughs> as we're discussing this, or there may be just a really weird looking title in your, in your podcast yeah. player. I, I'm going to remember it tonight. Like when my brain is just zoning and we're done with this and I'm going to be like pulling my hair out. Like, why couldn't I have remembered that? hours earlier but yeah description as dot 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 that's where i am right now i don't know if you know this about me but i am a character of uh much routine i like i like routine and i, I like kind of had an inkling yeah maybe kind of <laughs> i like to know what i like to do the same thing in the morning when i get up and oh several months ago my foot started hurting and so I went from running in the morning to walking and continued to just walk a lot. And it, it reached the point where my foot really started to hurt. And I, I had trouble even, I couldn't even just like go for a walk in the morning. And then it reached the point where I would have trouble getting out of the chair. And I was wow. at church one day and I was grumbling to a fellow old geezer. And he's like, why haven't you gone to the doctor? And I'm like, I don't know. It never occurred to me to go to the doctor. I just thought that, you know, my foot hurt. And this that is was just it. what getting old is like. And <laughs> yes, that's he's exactly laugh at it. me. It's like, you're getting old. Why are you complaining about this? Yeah, that's exactly it. So like, my friend mocked me, called some other people over. They mocked me. And I made an appointment <laughs> to go to a doctor. So now you get to be mocked by the doctor, too. I no, get, I'm kidding. So that's what it feels the, like, though. <laughs> yes. Well, that is what it felt like. And oddly enough, he starts examining my foot. And like... I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Every time I go to the doctor, I think they're going to tell me I'm faking. It's like yeah, from, from when you were too. a kid at school, which you, yeah. you never were a kid at school, but it's like, I'm sick, mom. I don't want to go to school. Are you faking? Right. So it's like that. And so he's pressing different places on my foot. Does this hurt? 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 And he went through like nine or 10 of them. And I'm like, I can't believe it. Nothing hurts. And then he finally smiled and pressed this one other foot part. And he says, does that hurt? And I almost jumped off the chair. <laughs> You're like, thank God the car finally yes. made the noise when I was at the mechanic. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so he says, all right, wear this brace when you're walking and go take physical therapy. And I was so thrilled because I've only had physical therapy once in my life. And it, I, for me, physical therapy is like voodoo magic. It's like you, you have this pain and you do these things that they tell you to do 
and the pain goes away. And I, when this happened before, I had shoulder pain, and it reached the point where I couldn't sleep because every time I would roll over, my shoulder would wake me up. So I go in, and they said, oh, well, you have this. And so I went to physical therapy, and like two weeks, it was gone. It's like, this is yes. crazy. I can't believe this. It's, it's like the greatest thing ever. So I was thrilled when he told me I had to go to physical therapy. So I go in, and unlike shoulder exercises, where you don't look like a complete moron when you're doing them, <laughs> <laughs> these are like quasi because my foot was so sore it was giving me trouble with balance and all these other things so there's like a little step that's like five inches high and it's like put one foot on that and then step over to the other side and you probably have these at the gym that you go to and you can do it there I'm like i'm not doing this in front of another human being <laughs> this is idiotic Going up and down this little tiny step, right? Yes. So it was like one embarrassing thing after another. So it's like, well, you could just buy this and take it home. Like, okay, I'll buy it and take it home. Yeah, so that's every every week I'm coming home. So I'm going two or three times a week in the morning, which ruins my morning routine. And uh, every day, every day I come back and I've got something new. And something showed up from Amazon the other day because it was going to be a hundred dollars from them or twenty dollars from Amazon. And Julie says. Are you ever going to stop buying stuff for your foot? I'm like, I I have to have this. I have to have this. Don't you care? <laughs> oh. Need my foot to work. <laughs> but so, the good news is that my foot is better, and all, all of these things have helped. It's not it's not all the way better, but I I am back to running a little smidge. But that's the reason I'm running a smidge is because my body has atrophied so much <laughs> in the period of not running at all. But I can start running again. And my goal, I, I don't know if, well, you remember this, but several years ago, I told you my goal uh, at the end of the year was to run in a half marathon. Yeah. My goal at the end of this year is to be able to run a 5K that I have a group of guys that I run the Christmas glow run with every year. And I want to be able to do that again this year. But what but still, a, what a so come down in, in terms of goals from a five no, for, from I mean, a half marathon to a five k. Oh. The fact the fact that this actually solved your problem. Yes, my yes. head is it just is, like it is mind like blown, magic. and I'm like, oh my god, this can actually happen to people. It's not a continual progression of just feeling worse all the time. I must know more about this magic. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, I mean, the the people that I work with were were fantastic, and um, you know, it's it's just. Every every time I get the opportunity to do physical therapy, I'm going to take it and be really thankful and not have to do something crazy like, oh, oh, you need surgery for that or or you can't do this anymore because you're old. Um, I, I'm just very happy about it. I just wanted to share that with you. I am like loving this. Is so awesome. Makes me I'm just like all happy. I've got a glow going on right now. Just that's awesome. Are you glowing so well that you know the uh, the ending of the title? No. Character description <laughs> as? No. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't mind as much anymore because now I'm happy. <laughs> All right. Maybe it'll come to us during the show. <clears throat> Maybe. So this is probably going to be a short show, which everyone breathes a huge sigh of relief. We'll see. I've said that before and then an hour later. Um, but anyway, so there was this... Uh, I've talked about this guy before, uh, this uh, uh, scriptwriter that I follow on Twitter. 
And he's always got these great quotes and stuff like that. He actually wrote a book recently and I bought the book and I have not been able to read it yet because I keep wanting to carve out time to really pay attention for. It's not the type of book you can screen, you know, just speed read, but I have it. And I'm just going to roll away from the microphone real quick so I can get the title for you. Yes. And if you remember from last week's show, when we were talking about the odd visual or not visual audio audio things that are happening in the show this is not one of them but this is also not a great example of us being super prepared for the show no i wasn't i wasn't planning to talk about the book but um okay so it's called the protagonist's journey and it's by scott myers and the reason that i bought it is because today scott myers is the only other person i've ever seen who focuses so heavily on character when he is talking about building story. He talk, he focuses on it as story and character, which is, if you've been listening, kind of where I'm going. It's like story, 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 character, 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 character. So I really, really want to read this and I want to understand how story works for screen, which is very different than how it works. It's not the story works differently for screen. It's that the mechanism you use for telling the story when your output is going to be visual is different than what you do when your output is just words on the page and you're dependent on the reader's own imagination to create those visuals. So I, I want to understand from somebody who really knows what they're doing, how this works one to the other, right? But anyway, he had this quote that showed up in my timeline that made me go, huh, that's really brilliant. And what it said was this, a character's physical description may be important, but it is almost never necessary unless what is being described is tied directly to something of meaning about who that individual slash character is. And the way that it distills the concept so many of the concepts that we've talked about on this show about description, about character into this one idea was just like, I love that. That is, that's amazing. It's just that that advice is specifically written towards screenwriters and you, you don't really, you're not going to need as much care, physical character description for writing a screenplay because it doesn't matter. You don't have control over what that character is going to look like anyway. You know, some actor is going to come in chosen by the director or whatever. Whereas in the novelization form of storytelling, it you do need some detail because that's all the audience has. So the, the way characters are described in books versus in a script is going to be different. But the point still stands about how when you have physical description and it's tied to directly to something that means something about who that individual is, that character is, it's going to be so much more powerful than just describing the way they look. And I saw a perfect example of what this means in real life in a movie that I watched recently. And so I want to talk a little bit about that as an example. And I don't, at as yet, of this exact point in time, 
have an example I can show you and say, this is how it transfers over onto, you know, writing the same idea into a book. But I will be thinking about that and not knowing has never stopped me from not talking about it before. So <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, the movie that I saw is called Hustle. It's on Netflix, I think. It was at some point like one of the top 10 movies. It's, um, I can't even, my mind just blanked on the actors, but everybody knows who he is. Um, Happy Gilmore. Um, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Okay. So Hustle is an Adam Sandler movie. And it's sort of like, a version of Jerry Maguire's Show Me the Money, but it's set up in the world of NBA basketball scouts. And the movie itself, it follows pretty predictable, typical pattern in terms of plot where, you know, you've got some guy being pulled into sports out of nowhere. That guy is awesome and he tries to prove he's awesome and he messes everything up and you know, loses his chances. He has to fight hard to prove himself. And eventually he gets another chance and he finally gets to show the world how amazing he is. And he finally wins. I mean, I basically just described the sports aspect of Jerry Maguire. So, you know, you've seen that story a hundred times before or whatever, but in this one, they, they did give it its unique twists and it felt engaging and it wasn't 100% predictable, even though you knew sort of how it was going to end. And you could basically say, Oh, this is going to happen. Here's plot point. Here's plot point. And yes, it did those things. But the details within were original and unique. And I, I really enjoyed the movie. But anyway, the equivalent of our Cuba Gooding Jr. character from Jerry Maguire in this version of the story, he's a basketball player from Spain who's not on any team. He's like a street hustler. And if you were going to describe him, you could say that he was tall. Duh. I guess, you know, this being a movie about basketball players and all. And he kind of looked a bit like a skinhead. He's not. And he is heavily tattooed. So he's got tattoos going full sleeve up, uh, one whole full sleeve up to his neck, across his back and his chest. And that's how you could describe a character like that is, you know, tall, white, shit, you know, very close cropped hair and heavily tattooed. But this movie takes that tattooed part and it turns it into something meaningful to the character. And it does so on multiple layers. So he's not just a character who happens to have tattoos. So apologies for any spoilers that are coming, but I honestly don't think that this would ruin the movie much. It's just a small thing. So at one point, another character notices that within this sea of black ink, on this sleeve tattoo that the guy has, that there's this small little yellow chick. And they ask him, well, what, what, what's, what does that chick mean? And he says, well, the chick represents his daughter. And because they called her Poyita, which means little chicken when she was small. And then he starts explaining what some of the other tattoos are. And basically it boils down to all the tattoos that he's got running up this sleeve are wonderful memories of his mother, of his daughter, of things he's accomplished. And that alone, just on its own, turns this character description, this thing that you could use to describe the character into something deeper. It's not just tattoos. These tattoos have meaning. But then we go a step further. And the person who's asking this question says, well, what about your father? And we already know from the story that there's a 
bit of a thing there between him and his father. And so at that point, this guy shows his blank arm in which there is no tattoos. And he says, all of these are for my father. And that is a very, very powerful statement about the character, about his life, about how he feels about his family, about his priorities, about so much. And so now we've gone from tattoos just as a description to tattoos that have meaning to tattoos that speak specifically to this character's inner world. And that alone would have made this entire character description of tattoos like totally worth it. Like that, that already in itself has taken this character description above and beyond not just the average, but it elevates it higher than even above average. But then it goes even further. So it it has already taken this physical description and imbued it with personal details and depth of character. And then at the end of the movie, we see that there's a fresh tattoo on his blank arm. And I'm not going to spoil it by saying what the significance of that was or how it came to be there. But if you've seen the movie, you don't need an explanation. And because of everything that was set up that happened earlier with the first explanation about the tattoos, the second you catch that visual, you know exactly what it means. And so all of that together, it takes this otherwise sort of just generic descriptive detail and it turns this into a thematic thread that gives it depth. It doesn't just give the character depth, but it adds depth to the story as a whole. And it's sort of an example also of what we were talking about a few weeks back when we were talking about how our brains are pattern-seeking and driven to, to look for meaning. That is like ching dopamine hit to the brain, finding that pattern in the movie and intuiting the meaning of everything to it. So unless you're someone who's just absolutely jaded and or very cynical, in which case that type of a little bit in your face visualization of things might be annoying. If you're not like that and you're like me, just a child, <laughs> just like everything is a joy. It is going to light up your dopamine receptors so hard because your brain has found this puzzle piece and it's able to slot it into the right place. And it just, that alone enriches everything else that's connected to it. And it creates what could have been, uh, it's a, it was a good movie, but it takes, it was a good story and it gives it something unique to the character and it deepens it in a way and it makes it just something more than cotton candy. And that makes everything better and makes everything deeper. And it is a perfect example, not just of what it means to make character de description, description of character into something more than just here's how this person looks. And you, you give this description that has some meaning to them. But it's also, in addition to that, an example of what it looks like to create a unifying theme, to loop back, to create a richer experience by connecting these chain links together to turn something into something more. And like I said, this was going to be short. So that is all I have on that. And I don't know if 
Steve, if you have questions or you want to discuss it or. Well, I mean, the first question I had was, uh, A, I, this is a comment. I'm surprised you watched a sports movie. <laughs> Dude, just because I don't watch sports doesn't mean I don't enjoy the <clears throat> happy ending, you know, beat your struggle aspects of of somebody who overcomes and conquers movies in the All world right. of sports. The question for you, you, you drew the comparison to the Cuba Gooding Jr. character. Yeah. Um, was how did the Cuba Gooding Jr. character do in the movie as an athlete? Do you remember? You mean like compared to real life or as yeah, the yeah, movie compared had to real life? Yeah. I have no idea. None okay. whatsoever. Uh, how did the, the guy in this movie do? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the guy in this movie is actually an NBA player, and the movie was filled with NBA, real okay. NBA people. All right. See, that's like, where I was going with just... this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very realistic. I think it's really impressive actual... that I have not seen the movie. I want to see it. I think it's really it's... impressive that someone who's not an actor could could take a role like this and and uh, seemingly make it work. Yeah, no, it was really that really good acting. This guy was perfect for this role. Perfect. And there are, I mean, when the credits of this movie is just so-and-so as himself, so-and-so as himself, so-and-so as himself, not just basketball players, but people who are uh, in part of the whole scout process or coaching process or owners. I mean, there's just so, it is very immersed in the world of NBA without feeling technical or show-offy. It just, it's just a movie. And for someone like me who doesn't know these faces or these names, you get to the credits and you're like, oh my God, like everybody in the movie is actually a real person. Not everybody, but a lot of them, you know? And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But yes, they the the players, a lot of these players were not, they're actually players in, in real life, just maybe with different names or for different teams or whatever. Now you just, you described sort of the storyline for the movie in the beginning and, and compared it to uh, Jerry Maguire. And it's, it is an often told story of, you know, over overcoming obstacles to, you know, having some success, something goes wrong. You have to overcome just these insurmountable obstacles, not only to get back to where you were, but to ex exceed where you were and to just become a huge success in whatever, whatever that level of success means in, in the movie, whether it's conquering the, the alien invaders or, or whatever. What is it about this, that particular story that is so compelling to people? Because it always is. You can, you can watch, uh, you can watch a hundred movies like this. And even though you know how it's going to end, you're, you're still, if, if it's well-made and the story is well done, uh, we just, we sit there and absorb another one and really enjoy it. Well, that's like, there's so many different parts of that question, but uh, starting at the end, not only is it, it's not just if the story is well-made, we're drawn to it and we know how it's going to end. We expect it <laughs> to follow those patterns and end a certain way. If that movie didn't have struggle in it, it wouldn't, it would lose its appeal. And if that movie did not end with triumph, we would hate it. And I think the part of that is the reason we keep coming back to the same stories over and over is because 
life itself is chaos. And sometimes we get fortunate and things work out really well for us. But even for people who've had fantastic lives and seem to have had everything just go their way, even the best uh, lifetime scenarios still have struggle in them. Everybody carries their hidden secrets, their difficulties, things that the rest of us couldn't even know about because they're not talking about them. And we think, oh, everything's awesome for them. But even they have their struggles. And because of that, we can all relate to and desire to overcome and find victory at the end of struggle. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't have that. It, we we might find a way to keep on keeping on, but you know, in real life, bad people win, good people lose. And we talked about this uh, in the episode of when we were discussing this, the brain's demand for, for meaning, to give stuff meaning. And that's what stories like these do, is they give meaning to struggle. And we can see ourselves in that. We, we want to see these stories of triumph. We want to see good people win because intuitively we have this sense of fairness in us. And when that sense of fairness is violated and bad things happen to good people, we get frustrated and angry and kind of rage a little bit on the inside because it's not fair. And we have no control of that whatsoever. There's so much over our lives and, and the lives that are going on in us that we just cannot control. And movies take all this randomness and this chaos and they make it not chaotic and they give it meaning. And this story in particular of coming from the behind and overcoming difficulties and coming out ahead and all and proving all the people who've mocked you and belittled you and laughed at you and tried to make you fail, proving them all wrong at the end, that is a daydream for many of us. <laughs> Why do we keep coming back into it? Because that's the only place we can get it. It's not happening in real life. That's my answer to that. <laughs> that's a great answer. All right, so that, that, was, uh, that was my only question. So I think we're gonna wrap this episode up. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday.